Hello, Potterheads, and welcome back to the second episode of, of Muggles and Mudbloods, a podcast where we discuss each chapter of the Harry Potter series through the lens of Muggles and Muggleborns. My name is, as usual, Taffy Wickman, and I'm here with Mona. Mona. What's up, everybody? How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing a lot better, considering um, the tragedy of the past week. A little bit of context here. Mona has been miserably sick for the last few days um, with what we believe is corona, the COVID-19 virus. But, of course, in Sweden, we are handling this a bit differently um, to some people's chagrin and some people's um, amazement. It means I can go and order pizza, and um, <laughs> we also have a higher death rate than most countries in Northern Europe. <laughs> so... Yep. It's an interesting way of handling it, but we're not going to comment on that. You can check out other podcasts for that subject. Um, where were we <laughs> before we got distracted? Oh, yes. This podcast is being released on Saturday. And what is Saturday for you, Mona? Oh, yeah, it would be my birthday. Yeah. Oh, my- yeah, I forgot. Yeah, so obviously I'm the Ravenclaw and she is the Slytherin. Um, <laughs> um, how is that obvious that I'm a Slytherin if I forgot my birthday? It's obviously you're not Ravenclaw. Oh, very funny. Fucking Ravenclaws. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about chapter two of the Philosopher's Stone. title of that chapter is The Vanishing Glass. And we'll be just discussing early signs of magic. Um, so we were talking about Harry, um, Neville, and a few other characters from the Harry Potter series. And going into what we see as their traits um, and the issues around early signs of magic um, in a muggle context. So without, without further ado, I'm going to do a quick 30-second recap of The Vanishing Glass, and then we're going to jump in. Right, and I've got the timer set. Start. Harry Potter wakes up, uh, 10 years have passed, and he is miserable. He's living on the staircase, and he's being forced to make breakfast. Um, it is Dudley's birthday, and he's complaining about having too few presents. Then they go to the zoo. Harry makes the glass vanish, and a boa constrictor from Brazil escapes and terrorizes Piers, Dudley's friend, and Dudley. They go back. Dud- Dudley cries and gets a lot more presents, and Harry gets closed in again into the in, into his closet until the end of summer break basically or the beginning of summer break that's chapter two not bad yeah that was impressive there um no pressure at all <laughs> so chapter two is the first time we see harry as a sentient non-baby um <laughs> i just call us yeah um and we we start to encounter the first signs of underage magic that Harry um, that Harry gets into, which is fairly fairly cool as far as I'm concerned. He is known to have regrown his hair and has, as such, had more haircuts than all the boys in his class combined. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite part. I can just imagine it in my head. Without even like, I haven't watched the movie in such a long time, but just reading that part is like, yeah, yeah, it's a comedic scene. 
Oh yeah. Um, also the shrinking sweater, the petunia sweater that she is trying to force over Harry's head and it just keeps getting smaller because he doesn't want to wear it. I mean, I don't blame him. Like probably anything that Petunia gives him is going to be ugly. So yeah. it's as an we, act of as, defense. Yeah. As we all know, there is an issue with the um what's it called? The the school uniform for his um his his high school. Um oh, yeah. secondary school. It's hideous. It looks like flaps of old elephant skin. Mm-hmm. Which is an introduction to Harry's signature snark which I love. He is also known to have levitated, levitated or bounced his way up onto the, the school roof to get away, from, get away from Dudley and his gang. Because um, 11, year 11 year olds have gangs now. Um, Apparently. He's a very fast boy, um, something that we'll see later on in the series as well. We also get to hear about Mrs. Fig for the first time, the squib watching over Harry from the end of Privet Drive. Mona, you know who she is. No. You did read it's, the chapter, didn't you? I did read the chapter, but I, I it's honestly brain for I can't remember who that is. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't remember, like Mona, um, Miss <laughs> Fig is the... <sighs> oh, right. She, she was the person who was supposed to babysit Harry, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah, who doesn't like the cats as much anymore? There we go. She's also the witness that is called in in the fifth movie to testify to the existence of Dementors in Privet Drive. Oh, and if we haven't mentioned this already, this podcast is full of spoilers. So if you have not read the books, um, please read the books and come back because we're going to have some issues. So... Like we said, early signs of magic. Um, so, Mona, you mentioned somebody that we we was thought to be a squib, right? Um, yeah. Longbottom. Oh, little Neville Longbottom. Yeah. Um, he he. Uh, what did he do when he was younger? Um, didn't he push someone? So when it comes to early signs of magic in Neville Longbottom, um, his uncle accidentally pushed him out of a window in order to get Neville to perform magic. But what actually happened is that he ma- he uh, managed to bounce away instead of hitting the ground. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it would have been a tragic fall and all the blame would have went to his uncle. But... Like, was it considered one of the signs where he was um, abused as a child, though? Yeah, I think it would count as abuse, yeah. Just tossing your, your nephew out the window um, really does qualify as abuse. Um. <laughs> but if you think about it, when we were kids, you, don't you remember how we were taught to swim? We were literally pushed into the swimming pool and we'd swim. I'm sorry, where did you grow up? I that was in Czech Republic. Don't, Sorry to anybody listening from the Czech Republic, but what the fuck? That's that's how I learned to swim. We were pushed and then we were kind of trying to survive and that's how we so, swim. 
<laughs> that is fucked up. I'm I'm sorry. Um, don't push your kids in the pool; they might drown. Um, let them learn some other way, I guess. Well, I'm still alive and I'm here, so um, I didn't die, but... and I'm not traumatized. Um, yeah, barely because of something else right now. But yeah. so another early sign of magic that we um, that we really enjoyed was the actual case of Minerva Minerva McGonagall, um, the eminent professor at Hogwarts. So Minerva is the daughter of a Scottish Presbyterian minister Presbyterian and minister. a witch. So she is. She is raised in a half-muggle household, um, which makes her an interesting character for our podcast. But there are a few documented cases of Minerva McGonagall as a young baby or child using magic to her own advantage. One of the fantastic ones that I love would be that when she was in her crib, she would she is known to have summoned toys off of shelves. She is known to have controlled the cat and made it do her bidding. <laughs> and she is known to have made her father's, as they are Scottish, bagpipes roam around the house playing themselves. Um, which, considering the fact that they are living in a muggle community, is a very, very um, interesting way to out yourselves. Um, <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, it's 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 an interesting in, it's an interesting way of of handling it. Um, so we we don't know any other cases of Minerva McGonagall's um, adolescent magic, but she displayed signs of magic from a very very early age, um, compared to Neville, and she was of course one of the most talented witches in her, or if not the most talented witch of her year. Um, yeah, so it's. She's an interesting character. I love the fact that she I mean, had the... it. It is impressive because you went like with Harry. It, his, his magic came out because of uh, like anger or towards issues that was happening to yeah. him. There Neville was, was yeah. Ne Neville was because, uh, as you claim, he was abused as a child, and we'll get into that at some point probably. But uh, McGonagall, she started at like at a really young age as a baby, which is something completely yeah. different. And willfully like, using why? it. Why? Yeah. She was like she was self she was aware of her magic abilities and she was summoning toys because she wanted to play, which is a fantastic way of handling it, I think. I mean if I had that abilities when I was a baby, I would be like self like self sufficient in doing everything by myself and having people do things for me, obviously. Yeah. I'm not sure if you could control people that are more powerful than a cat, but cats are fairly strong-willed, so well done, McGonagall. <laughs> um, another sign of early use of magic, of course, is our, our good friend, Tom Marvolo Riddle, who used magic at an early age in a much different way. Um, an extremely sadistic 11-year-old or 10-year-old, to be, to be fair. But we're not going to go into what happened in the cave, which nobody really knows anyway. Um, so let's let's turn, of course, to the issues with early signs of magic 
in the muggle world, which we have found a few. Mm -hmm. So the issue that came up for me here was the question around the Hogwarts letter, um, which we're going into next week. Um, Harry, Harry is a unique case in the fact that Vernon and Petunia Dursley were aware of Harry Potter's magical abilities. As we are aware, though, most parents of magical-born students that are muggles are not aware of the fact that their children are magical until they get the letter, or so we believe. Um, which is a bit of an issue if you have a kid that is summoning toys and making let's say a clarinet fly around the, uh, the, the house playing itself. I'm sorry, but no. Like those poor parents, they would go insane. I mean, they probably think their house is haunted or, you know, the, the, the ghost of their past is haunting them or, yeah, basically, they're, that child is going to inadvertently terrorize their entire family for, let's say, eight years before that letter arrives. <laughs> I'm sorry, what the fuck, Ministry of Magic? <laughs> like, seriously. What the fuck? Like, I mean, they're, they're trying to keep up with the element of surprise, you know? Yeah. When, when, when they're 11 years old, be like, oh, yeah, surprise. Your kid has magical abilities. Exactly. Woo. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry, but these parents mostly have known for ages already and be extremely confused. Like, imagine if you had McGonagall ask your muggle-born child. And your cat is, you know, in your, like, if you're living on a farm and, like, the dogs and the cats are, like, all obeying your baby's every wish. I mean, I would be terrified, but, you know, I'm used at the same time. Well, probably still terrified in, in reality. Yeah. But... So, so my hope, my serious hope is that there is a entity at the Ministry of Magic that the moment they detect a muggle-born witch or wizard goes and informs the parents because otherwise those are going to be some hellish years until that Hogwarts letter arrives. Um, but do we know if they're informed or not before they go into don't. Hogwarts? We don't. Oh, shit. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that they do because <laughs> I, I, I can't help but feel sorry for Hermione's parents, for example. Like, Imagine if, like, the baby throws a tantrum and all the lights go out and thunder strikes and shit. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. That's going to be weird. Like, sure, that will be the extent of it now, right? Like, when we don't believe in witchcraft and things like that. But imagine if this happened 300 years ago or four like, during the Salem witch trials, right? Mm -hmm. When people believed in magic. Oh my god, yeah. Imagine if your eight-year-old child was displaying signs of magic. The Ministry of Magic has to take a step there, right? 
Mm -hmm. You must have, because otherwise you would risk your your muggle-born witch wizard being burned at the stake at eight. Like what? No. Yeah. Sorry okay, for the then, dark guys. Th then the question is: Does it run in the family? Like you know, they can trace back the ancestors and be like, "Oh, that person had, you know, they they." They had magic in them or something like that or just the, it, or does it appear randomly well obviously it, it runs in the family if you're with which wizarding family right but yeah there are random occurrences of magic within muggle populations as well right we know that for a fact yeah so i don't think you can trace it back um in muggles and i don't think it'll be worth trying especially because we do not not know the lineages of all the muggle board students at hogwarts um mm. JK, if you're listening, um, which you definitely aren't because this is an absolutely brand new podcast, um, <laughs> please send us the last 500 years of Hermione Granger's lineage. Um, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen, but we tried. I mean, we can always come up with our own with our own theories and everything yeah. and then present it. And, and, you know, maybe we'll get into one of her books or she'll support our idea. So, so the question from, for people that are listening right now really is, what, what do you think would be other expressions of early age magic? Um, obviously, we are seeing wi young witches and wizards um, fulfilling um, desires that they want. Um, maybe you'd be refilling your glass of Coke um, at dinner because oh, you wanted more and it would never that be That would empty. be amazing. Um, and your parents would be either really impressed with you for drinking so slowly or they'd be really pissed at you for somehow refilling your glass. <laughs> I mean, be being able to refill like a drink or, you know, a, a, a plate of cake, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and and I would like, I'll give it to the others as well. I'll be a nice person. I'm like, hey, do you want cake? You get cake. Do you want coffee? You get more coffee. Everybody gets this. Everybody gets that. Right exactly. You're, you're turning water to Coke. You're a modern day Jesus. <laughs> no. Um, that's that. So we, we also post, we've also posted a, a question on our Facebook page. Um, a, four pictures. Um, and we've promised to state the answer on the podcast so in the picture we have four different sides and the question is what are we so this is a, this is a question relating to harry potter and the deathly hot sorry and the deathly hollows um and we are looking at a picture of a sword a picture of a body of water a picture of a coin and a picture of a it was um, of the prince the crown prince of the united kingdom so the answer is royal river romulus and rapier the four hosts of the potter cast or potter watch radio show in harry potter and the deathly hollows Ah, uh, yeah, I stared at it for such a long time. 
And I'm like, what on earth is this about? I'm horrible when it comes to those kind of puzzles. Sorry. So, you know, next time you can make it a bit easier to those to those who are unable to decipher pictures like that. Hmm? No. Oh, man. I mean, we've been through this enough. Every quiz that we participate in, I've got zero clue what the hell they mean. Yeah. So context there, we've been participating in G-Quiz, which is a fantastic group out of New Zealand that does these amazing 60, 70 question long online Zoom quizzes. And our team, um, the Rota Squad, has been dominating, um, placing second in the Harry Potter quiz and on the podium for the last two quizzes as well. So we are very pleased with ourselves. We are a coordinated effort to win quizzes. Um, which is definitely a both Ravenclaw and Slytherin way of doing things. Um, mm -hmm. But with that, do we have anything else for today? I mean, uh, and just to like mention it, we were second in the Harry Potter quiz. That was one of the toughest quizzes I've ever lived, and it was at nine in the morning. Leave it to the like, Slytherin to boast, right? <laughs> no. Um, that is that for chapter two of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, The Vanishing Glass. Um, next week, we'll be talking about the third chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which is, is about the arrival of the letters. Um, we'll be discussing the ways by which Hogwarts informs Muggleborn students of their place in Wizarding Society, and the experience itself so tune in for that and until then stay safe stay at home and stay six feet apart <laughs>